So I am going to admit, I'm very excited for today's guest because we get to talk to Ali Torben. She is an incredible data artist, if we're honest. She consults in data visualization and data storytelling with all sorts of incredible organizations. And she has such a great insight into how to make your data visualizations actually impactful. Because here's the thing. You start by creating a visualization in order to get somebody to know something or to take an action based on that information. But there is a gap in between those two things, from you creating it to them doing something with it. And that gap is that the person has to actually engage with your visualization, whether they see it on Twitter or whether they see it in an annual report or whether they get it in an email. Somebody has to see it, understand what information they need from it, and then use that information in some way. So today's podcast, we dive into Ali's very helpful framework for understanding how to improve the engagement with your visualizations and how that might actually vary based on the kind of person or population you are trying to reach. Hello and welcome to Heart, Soul, and Data, the podcast where we explore the human side of analytics to amplify the impact of nonprofits and social enterprises. With me, your host, Alexandra Mannering. Thank you so much for joining me with today's episode. I am thrilled to be joined by Ali Torben, who is going to bring some amazing discussions about data visualization, but more importantly, the engagement we have with it. So Ali, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you so much, Alexander, for having me. Uh, I'm Ali Torben. I'm an information design consultant in Washington, D.C., and I have my own consultancy. So I work with small clients, big clients like P&G and Axios, um, authors, just um, a wide variety of people, and I help them communicate their information visually. So I create infographics, data visualizations, data art, comics, a very wide variety of things that require a lot of different types of engagement. So that's something that I focus a lot of my work on is creating uh, communication that engages and informs audiences. I love that. And I think the melding of, of art and data is such a fantastic thing. I think a lot of people think that they're like matter and antimatter, and if you put them together, somehow you think it's impossible. Right. But no, it's actually an incredible thing when you bring together a visual medium as a way of expressing numeric things. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk a little bit about what we even mean with engaging with data visualization. Like what is engagement and why does it matter when we talk about data visualization? Yeah, I think there's this misconception that if you create a visual, and especially if you spend a lot of time creating a visual, that automatically means that someone is going to engage with it and read it and understand it and use it and make decisions. And <laughs> that's the ideal, right? And that's what we hope happens. But what I have found is that a lot of people skip this crucial middle step, which is you know, you have to get someone to commit to looking at your visual and decoding it. Like you can't just assume just because you created it and you tweeted it out or you put it in a report, someone's going to actually sit down and read it. Um, and I realized this because 
I, um, my mom had gotten this book about Parkinson's disease and she had asked me to read this one particular chapter. And, um, my mom is a high school math teacher. And so she knows how to read charts and diagrams, but then there's this one in a, one of the chapters and she had skipped over reading it. And I asked her why. And she said, Oh, it just like looked like a lot. So I just read the text and I was kind of baffled for a minute. I was thinking like, she reads diagrams and teaches people how to read diagrams and charts for a living. And she's reading a book that she's really interested in and she just skips over this diagram. So like, what is happening with this chart that makes it not engaging? Like that's scaring her away. So that kind of started my journey into figuring out like what we need to do to get people to entice people to commit to decoding something when they're in different situations, because you have different types of audiences and they're in different situations at different amounts of time. So you kind of have to change your engagement method, depending on your audience's current level of interest and attention. I love that idea of sort of the field of dreams fallacy, right? If I build it, they will come. Right. And, and especially like you said, the more effort I put into it, the more they're definitely going to show Obviously, up. they must. <laughs> right? They have to. Um, and I think that this idea of we're, tr we're not just making visualizations for fun, right? Mm -hmm. We're doing them for a purpose. And, and I talk a lot about when you do data analytics, you start with the question, like, what is it that you need to answer? Mm -hmm. And in this case, when you're doing a visualization, it's what do you need people to do with that information? And you can't get them to do that thing, no matter how wonderful your data is, no matter how perfect your visualization is, if the person who needs to do the action skims over the visualization yes. <laughs> they don't or, or misunderstands it. it or, you yeah. know, whatever it is. So I think that that engagement piece is so critical and you're totally right, is so easy to miss, mm -hmm. so easy to miss. Um, so how do you get, you know, good engagement with a visualization? You mentioned there's different audiences, you know, are there mm -hmm. different approaches for how you engage those different audiences? Yeah, definitely. So after I had that, I guess, conversation with my mom, I started thinking, okay, well, what can I do? What would I do to improve this chart? And I realized, you know, we just needed to make it a little bit more streamlined, uh, like more visual hierarchy, like this is, this is the line that you should be paying attention to now. Here's another line. Here's another line. You kind of have to pace someone through the information, just kind of reducing clutter. Like, okay, well, we were interested and um, paying attention to this chart. And so reducing clutter was the best solution for that. So what would be a... Uh, the solution for someone in a slightly different state. So then that got me thinking, this is actually kind of like a quadrant chart. Everybody loves quadrant charts, right? Like, so you have one axis, one horizontal axis, where on one end you have um, someone who has high interest in a subject. And then on the other end, someone who has low interest in a subject or maybe not like inherently interested in something. And then you have your Y axis where someone is really focused on the activity that they're doing all the way down to um, distracted or maybe overwhelmed is another way to put it. So like you're really focused on something or you're um, distracted or overwhelmed. And then you have these four different readers then at different points in time. So like someone who has high interest and is focused is maybe someone who is reading a report or like 
when, um, like I told you about reading a book about something that you're interested in. And then if you jump down, you have someone who has high interest and distracted, and that would probably be like a CEO in a presentation. Like maybe they're not distracted, but they're definitely overwhelmed. Right. (laughs) And, um, so like, if we think about those two audiences right now, the person who is high interest and focused, you really want to focus on um, when you're creating a visualization, just reducing clutter and making sure they get the information they need very quickly. What um, a lot of people call like chart junk, you know, <laughs> like just make sure it's clean. You know, you point them to where they need to look and you don't overwhelm them because you don't want them to skip over it. They're here they're interested, just don't scare them away. And then if you have someone who has high interest in the subject, but maybe they're distracted or or overwhelmed, then I want, um, when I'm creating a visualization, I want to focus on the what's in it for me. Why should this person care? And that could include tweaking the chart a little bit, or it could be um, maybe adding a filter that you know the person is going to be interested in using. Um, or highlighting in red, maybe the uh, particular part, you know, this person is going to be interested in. Like if you're talking to a CEO and you have profits from all the, um, all the stores in your country, you know, you, you're going to want to highlight in red, the one that she is really interested in, or, um, the one in, in her city, something like that. So make sure whatever you can do to put the reader at the center of the chart, then you do that so that they can get, you know, it gets their attention. They're distracted and you, you zoom them in on the part that you want, um, want them to see in that. That's what will engage them. And then, so if we jump over to a different quadrant, so let's say someone who is um, not inherently interested in your topic, but they are focused. I think of this person as the person who is maybe like a hobbyist reading National Geographic magazine. Like they're not interested in every single article in that magazine, right? But you know, like they're sitting down, they're focused, they're committed to like reading the articles or some of the articles. So how would you engage them in a spread so they don't just like flip past it? And here, I think this is, it's best to um, add elements of story and illustration here. Um, A little bit more on the entertainment side. (laughs) Um, There's a really good uh, talk by Jen Christensen, who is the editor of Scientific American. And she gave a talk about how she calls this a welcoming gesture, which I really love. Um, And she talks about how sometimes, you know, for Scientific American, she's art directing these graphics where, you know, they can be pretty technical, But she kind of adds, um, she asks the artist to add a little bit more color and a little bit more detail so that it's like a kind of like a welcoming gesture to pull people into these stories. Um, So I think you can do that with illustrations. You can do it with stories, um, anything, any like beautifying elements. (laughs) So a lot of times I'll use illustration um, for those kinds of audiences. And then if we jump down to the last audience, someone who has low interest and is distracted, this is like anybody scrolling through Twitter, you know, they're not 
particularly focused and they might not be interested in what you're doing, but you still want to grab their attention. Um, and I think this is a great way, a great spot to add um, something that's eye catching. So like eye uh, color uh, animation and um, novelty, things that people might not normally see, especially in different industries. Like you can bring something from one industry and bring it into another one, and then it's novel in that industry. Um, so an example of that is once I did a graphic for Viz for Social Good, and they wanted to, um, their mission is to gain awareness and get people to participate. So I wanted to do something, you know, like someone was going to be scrolling through Twitter. How would I visualize this data in a way that would make them stop? So I actually took like a tessellation. I made icons for that represented different parts of the data, like this many projects were about health, these many projects were about industry, something like that. And then I kind of tessellated all the icons together and it kind of looked like this panoramic, like MC Escher inspired thing. And it's not something that I would put in a technical report, but on Twitter, it served its purpose. I could have shown that chart in four different ways, depending on um, which audience I'm talking about. Um, I probably would have used a bar chart if I was just putting it in a report, right. For the focused in high interest person. But since it's going to be on Twitter for the uninterested, distracted person, I'm going to do something a little bit more novel to get their attention. So that's kind of the way, the way that I think about it. And, um, I, I think that sometimes people might get tripped up because you think, well, I created this one chart and, that's it. <laughs> but you can, I remake the same chart all the time for different audiences. So if you have a, um, if you have an assignment to create this chart and it's going to be in a report, like, okay, that's great. And then your boss wants to tweet it out to get attention. Well, let's, let's think about this for a second, you know, on Instagram, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, you know, like this isn't going to stop somebody from scrolling. Let's think about some elements that we could add to this to make it a little more interesting. So um, that's usually my thought process when I'm trying to create engagement um, for charts. I think that is such a powerful framework because it points out that different audiences have different challenges and different needs. Mm -hmm. And if you want your visualization to be effective, the same way that if you want it, your content to be effective, like every other time we're trying to communicate something, you have to tailor it to your audience. And it's so easy to just think, oh, I can do one thing for everybody, mm -hmm. but it's really not going to be effective. Um, and so this concept of understanding these different audiences, I think the um, focus, distracted, like interested, not interested is is mm -hmm. such a powerful thing because you're right, all four of those audiences exist and we have to speak to all four of those audiences at different times. Mm -hmm. And so I love that, all right, so if you're focused and, in, focused and interested, there's where we really want to reduce friction, make sure that they can get in, get the information that they're already there in mm -hmm. order to consume. You know, and then for that CEO, the what's in it for me, you're wanting to par it down and maybe even change the presentation so that you focus on the one aspect of the thing that is really important exactly. for that person. And I think that's mm -hmm. good, too, because it forces you as the analyst or as the visualizer to say, what is it? that yeah. I need this person to walk away with. Yeah, which can be hard, can be hard to figure out too. Um, and I think a lot of times if you ask someone, like you ask the CEO or you ask someone, you know, higher up, what exactly is this person want to see? Um, they might not know 
or they might tell you something like, oh, I want to see, they want to see like quarter two profits or something. But really what they want to see, if you can think about like, well, why are quarter two profits um, important? Well, it's because we want to know what initiatives we should do next year. Well, why is that important? Well, we want to make more money. (laughs) So usually if you just like keep asking, well, why is that important? You can see, you can kind of tease out the thing that you want to show. So like maybe after you ask these questions, the real thing you need to show is quarter two profits over the last five years. So they can see, oh, we've done really well the past five years and we have this upper trend. Um, So if you ask, why is this important? Why is this important? Usually that will help you kind of tweak or shift the focus of the chart to help um, the C- the busy CEO really see what's what's the big picture. I always joked that whenever someone would come to me because I was an analyst and director of an analytic team for a long time, and I'd have people from all across the organization coming to me and saying like, "I need to see this thing," mm-hmm. and they would ask for a data point or something like that, and I'd always go, "Happy to get that for you." Can you tell me what kind of question you're trying to answer? Mm-hmm. Like, what is it, like you're saying, that you're trying to solve? What? Why is this important? Because, mm-hmm. yeah, at least half the time, if not more, that wasn't actually the data point they needed or they needed that data point, but filtered a certain way mm-hmm. or, you know, that, and, and it's not their job. If you're not a data person, you don't necessarily know all of those nuances. You may not even know what data are available, mm-hmm. but you do know the question that you're trying to answer or the challenge that you're facing. Yeah. So absolutely. I, I love that. Kind of keep peeling back the layers yeah. until you get like, to Well, really... someone asked me for this. That's yeah. why I asked you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the number of times that I've like put something in front of someone, they're like, well, this isn't what I wanted. I'm like, this is exactly what you asked for. What do you mean? This isn't what you wanted. So no, I think that's really important. Like keep peeling back those layers and you need to do that a lot more for that, like interested, but distracted or Mm. overwhelmed group. And I think of, Mm -hmm. I think of donors in this group too, right? You, you donate to an organization because you care about it. Mm -hmm. Right. So like you're very interested in this organization, but you also have 50,000 emails that come Mm -hmm. to your inbox. Mm -hmm. So you're filtering through real fast. And so you need something that's really going to resonate with that individual in order to get them to to stop and engage and understand what you're trying to share with them so that they take the action that you'd want them to take, like donate. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think um, if you imagine yourself as the person opening up that letter, you know, you donated to the food bank or something and you're opening up that letter. you, what do you care about? You want to care. You want to see that you actually made a change. So some specific point, like your $1 fed and created 10 meals, like that means something not like, Oh, we've, we've, um, we, we gathered $600,000 this year. It's like, okay. Yeah. But what, what's that? Like you said, what's in that for me? What did I do? What was my piece in that? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's a great point. I love that. And I was thinking as well for the, like, you know, focused, but maybe not interested, like funders are a lot like that. They're looking at dozens of proposals. They might not necessarily be interested like in your particular Mm. thing. So you have to find a way of catching their eye, especially if you're trying to interest them generally, like maybe you're not submitting an application yet, but you're putting together a report that grantors might download, you know, from your website. So I was thinking about that, the focused, but not necessarily interested, that that's data art. Mm. You know, that's where you really are investing in making something you know visually beautiful and engaging in its own sake, mm. right? Because they're looking at this, they're like, okay, you know, I'm I'm definitely focused because I'm a grantor. I'm looking at different organizations, but I may or may not care about your particular organization or the thing that you do. Yeah, or maybe you're zooming in, zooming in on a particular story about someone whose life 
that your organization is affecting. And if you can tell and illustrate that story really well, it helps them kind of see what kind of impact you're having. Yeah, no, I like that, that data story. Yes. And, and you're, that would be the place maybe for, for creating something that really is going to be emotionally impactful. Mm, mm-hmm. So that's, that's not the place for the bar charts that just sort of in a very yeah. dry way, explain the story of your organization. This is where you really are going to find that like one human touch story and you're going to bring the data elements into that story, or you're going to paint that picture with, with the data. Yeah. You don't need error bars and yeah. <laughs> histograms. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then I think the social media quadrant, you know, all of, of Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, all that whole space. I mean, that's definitely a space that everyone really does have to pay attention to because we are trying to get noticed and you're right like that bit of novelty i i always think of it trying to be like healthy clickbait mm-hmm. right like nasty clickbait is the one where it's a bait and switch right yeah. they have the like you know oh this is a uh, interesting title and then you click on it but that's not really what the thing mm-hmm. is but what we're trying to do is something where they, you go wait what Mm-hmm. And then you look mm-hmm. at it and then you learn about that wait what thing. Um, and so I think that that's, that's a place that we do always need to get into. I do think the risk there is doing things that are novel for novel's sake and don't necessarily yeah. relate to what you're doing or they end up being, like you said, chart junk. They actually distract from what you're trying to express. They get in the way of the data or the information. Yeah, it's a really hard line to walk because, I mean, let's be honest, you are trying to figure out how to basically entertain your audience, right? I mean, when you're reading National Geographic or Scientific American, you're expected to be entertained a little bit in some way. When you're scrolling through Twitter, you're doing it because you're bored and you want to be entertained. So you do have to like figure out that line where are we just being like, I don't know, over the top and distracting clickbaity, or are we kind of entertaining in a, in a healthy and productive way? And that is a really hard line, hard line to walk. It's funny because my, my kids have a little like set of video games from a company called Noggin and they, and it is interesting watching because they they try to say, oh, we're going to be educational. And so some, but then they have to entertain four-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And so like watching them try to like walk this line of it has to be educational enough that the parents are still willing to like put this in front of their kids for 20 minutes, but it has to be engaging and entertaining enough that the four-year-old will like keep playing it. They don't walk away. And <laughs> right. And it's really funny watching them like walk that line. And and occasionally they miss in both directions, right? Like the kid's like, yeah, nope. Mm-hmm. Or like, I'll look at something and be like, this is junk. Like, no, I don't want this in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that quadrant is very much the, the toddler quadrant. Yeah. It is so interesting. And a lot of times you really don't have to do all that much either. Sometimes just a little bit of movement. Um, like if you, yes. you're slowly introducing information, like I've seen a lot on Twitter um, or Instagram where, you know, you just animated, you know, you have a bar chart, but you just animated the bars coming in and maybe like almost like, I don't want to say spoon fed. Cause that sounds demeaning, but you know, like you showed the X axis and the Y axis and you said the U S is here, France is here, Germany's here, you know, and then the, the bars pop up and you were, you didn't have to sit there and be like, Oh God, a chart. Like, let me see the axes. Let me see the values. You know, like it just was given to you and the movement was sort of interesting. So like within three seconds, you got it. So you don't really have to, 
you know, you don't have to do a tessellated panoramic unit chart like I did. Like, you don't have to go crazy, but just think about like, how could we make, add a little bit of movement in here to catch someone's eye and to make them like entice them a little bit. Well, and to your point with the bar chart, like the movement of the bars going up, that actually is giving someone information because the longer it moves, Mm -hmm. the greater the bar is. And we can you know, our brains automatically would translate that movement gives us the same piece of information that looking at the top of the, you know, bar graph against the axis would. I think about there is a chart, and I'm going to space the gentleman's name, where he was looking at GDP over time. And he does this great animated visualization so that you see all the different countries plotted and then they, they move as mm. they, you know, as time mm-hmm. passes. And so you get to see this fascinating journey through history of the countries like coming through the industrial revolution, but then others staying behind and then like the rise of China. And it's fascinating. And you're like, I'm literally just watching dots move. I know. And you're entertained. You're entertained. (laughs) You're very entertained. And the motion really accentuates the story, Mm -hmm. right? Like you learn that story so much better with the motion. And it's so interesting, but he, I mean, he could have done the exact same thing in like a series of line graphs and it yeah. just wouldn't have been as interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mona, Mona uh, Chalabi is really good at that too. I don't know if you've seen her Instagram page, but she, um, she actually hand draws her charts. So, you know, like makes it feel very accessible. And then there was this one where it was a bar chart, um, it, but the bars, you know, were going horizontal and one of them was so long that you had to just keep, it was a carousel where you had to just keep scrolling for pages. So it's like, it's going, it's still going, it's still going, it's still going. So she like made you use your time to feel how long right. this bar was. And it was just a bar chart. Right. So yeah, there's a lot of different things you can do to make it interesting for social media. You just have to kind of like, like we were saying, you have to take that one more step. How is this yeah. going to be engaging for this one one um, audience, you know, I could have just printed this bar chart in my report and be done with it, but I have to take one more step uh, to make it a little bit more engaging for in a different medium for a different audience. Yeah, no, I think that that's so true. And, and the core of it can still be the same, right? You mm-hmm, have a mm-hmm. piece of information or something that you need to get out, but you do need to think about how you're going to frame it for those four different audiences. Yeah, exactly. So, And I think the examples that you've given are so powerful too. I think they'll really help people wrap their minds around what suits each of these. Um, And maybe for the show notes, can we share um, some images of each of those different ones? Yes. Yeah. I'll make sure to send send them to you. Okay. That would be great. Um, And then I guess the last thing that I would want to ask is for someone listening to this, I mean, I think they're going to be very interested in this concept and find ways to be, to apply it. But what would you recommend the first step be that someone takes know, in, in trying to apply this quadrant framework to their next visualization that they, they try to develop. Yeah. I think, I think you can even do it. Um, cause you might forget by the next time you have an assignment, <laughs> but you can even go back and redo. I love to go back and redo my old work. Um, so go back and pick the last thing that you did and think about, uh, you can write out this quadrant and just put a circle around where you think the audience was for this particular one. And um, if you look through the examples in your show notes, think about how can I incorporate an element? Well, I think they're from this quadrant, but you know, my, my chart was probably for someone in this quadrant. What is an element that I can take from this quadrant that they're actually in and incorporate it into this chart that I already made? And then just developing that muscle will help you next time you go and do it, <laughs> pull out this quadrant chart and talk to your talk to your manager or talk to your colleagues about it. And I think this is a great a great quadrant to use as a um, 
as a discussion or like a conversation starter, you don't have to use it as like a set of rules, but just like a conversation starter to be like, you know, if someone says, um, you know, people can be on different sides of the spectrum and be like, you you might say, I want to make this more engaging. And they might think, oh my God, you're going to (laughs) like... tear this apart and you're going to add so much chart junk and this is going to look so silly be like no 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 that's not what I'm talking about like eye catching and engaging are like not the same thing like engagement is very dependent on your audience here's this quadrant chart let's talk about it um or someone might um so someone like kind of scared of engagement or someone else might be like oh we need to like make this rainbow colored because <laughs> you know because we need to get people to look at it and be like no 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 this is for a report for researchers you know they don't need this what what we do need to focus on is like visual hierarchy and um strategic color so that they can get the information that they need and they need to get out like rainbows aren't going to be affected here, like bar chart races and animations not going to be effective here. <laughs> so I would say um, you can go to my website, allytorbin.com slash talk. I'll give you that link and you can print out this um, quadrant. So print it out, uh, look at your past work, circle where, where, where the audience is um, for who you were designing for and see how you could tweak it. And then also in future work, use it as a, um, as a jumping off point. I think that's such a great idea of something you can do right now because we all have visualizations. Maybe they've been done by someone else. Maybe we did them that we could take and say, who is this actually intended for? Mm -hmm. And then did we actually hit the mark? Did it meet that audience? Or did we take a generic thing and try to just make it work for everybody? And clearly then we we would have missed. That's Mm -hmm. a great, great suggestion. So for folks who would like to learn more about you and your great work, where can I send them? Uh, but you can go to my website, AllieTorbin.com, and I, um, I'm very active on Twitter as well. I'm at AllieTorbin. Perfect. Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate your insight. I think this is such a powerful framework, and I think it's going to really help a lot of people make sure that they get the engagement on their critical data visualizations. Thank you so much, Alexandra. Hopefully now, after that podcast and great interview, you're thinking a little bit differently about the data visualizations that you see and maybe the data visualizations that you use. I really do recommend, go ahead, try Ali's exercise. Take a visualization that your organization has put out or your team. And if you don't have one, if you haven't used visualizations before, check out one that you've seen on Twitter or Instagram or in the news and see if you can figure out who the intended audience was for, whether that visualization hit that audience, and if not, what could be done to improve it. And if that visualization knocked it out of the park, got the audience right, engaged them properly, see if you can brainstorm ways that you could adapt that visualization to a different audience in one of the other quadrants. So thank you so much for listening. If you need help with data visualizations, do check out Ali. She's at AllieTorban.com. That's A-L-L-I-T-O-R-B-A-N.com. And of course, if there's anything I can ever help you with, feel free to check me out at Maracanos.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and I hope you all stay well. You have been listening to Heart, Soul, and Data. This podcast is brought to you by Maracanus, an analytics education, consulting, and data services company devoted to helping nonprofits and social enterprises amplify their impacts and thrive through data. You can learn more at maracanos.com, M-E-R-A-K-I-N-O-S.com.